Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. The first thing I want to do before we get started is um, to wish someone a happy birthday. Rhonda had a birthday yesterday, and uh, she is my friend, and I just... I don't know if I might totally embarrass her if we sang, but when I count to three, could we all just please say, happy birthday, Rhonda? How about that? Okay, one, two, three. Happy birthday, Rhonda. Yes, we love you, and you are a blessing, and I'm so glad you're here. You are God's daughter. Amen. Okay, I'm excited for um, what we're going to talk about tonight here together, and um, I'm going to begin with a story. Uh, Most of you know my daughter, Olivia. She's waving back there. Um, We, Stuart and I have four kids. Olivia is the second. The oldest is another girl named Brianna, and she lives in the Norman area. And just to give some background for this story, um, she is a dog lover. Anybody relate to that? (laughs) I mean, I like dogs, but she likes dogs. And um, she has a dog that does um, competitive dock diving, and they go all over the place and enter these competitions. She's also involved in an organization in Norman called Ground Zero. And this is just an interesting fact that you can go, oh, that's from Oklahoma. This is kind of cool. Ground Zero is a training facility for rescue dogs, and people from all over the nation actually come to the Norman area to use their facilities to be trained in how to use a rescue dog, and also they they actually train the dogs and send them all over the world, and I'm talking about um, for situations like earthquakes or uh, the Oklahoma City bombing situation where they were looking for people. Uh, tornadoes, and so sometimes it's for, you know, a large number of people. It might just be for one lost person. It doesn't matter. The the point is they do the training there, and it's really neat. So she called me a couple months ago, or maybe, yeah, a couple months ago, and she said, Mom, I get to do something I haven't done yet. This is my child that's married to an ER doctor and does not want him to ever tell her anything that he has seen in the ER. Um, but obviously, to train rescue dogs, um, they use actual human remains in small bags for them to understand what they're, it's part of the training. And my daughter, that cannot stand any of the details of what happens in the ER, amazes all of us because she'll work with these dogs. <laughs> I don't get it. But <laughs> anyway, she had the opportunity to be on the rescued side of a training situation not too long ago. And so she explained to me what happens is they go out to the 
country, and she is the person that is needing to be rescued. So she got out of her car, walked across a very large field into some woods, walked around in the woods and found a tree. I asked her how far, I don't know, I'm, she didn't know, but way out there. She walked way out there, sat down by a tree and waited. And um, the dogs didn't know her, it wasn't her dog, it was some two young dogs that they're working with to train. And um, what they did was they, they got one dog out of the crate, they gave it something that Brianna had been holding and touching, you know, that smelled like her, introduced that to their nose, and then held on to them, and at the appointed time, they started the clock, let the dog go, and the exercise was to see how long it took them to find her. And I was guessing, you know, well, I don't, how long would that take? 15 minutes? I don't know. In barely over three minutes, that dog searched and found Brianna sitting at the base of that tree. And she said, I was kind of surprised. So I thought, oh, well, we'll see if the next one can do it. And sure enough, the second dog did the very same thing in almost the same amount of time. And what she said was that um, when the dogs started toward her, when they released them and, and she, they had her scent, that they would comb across the field like this. And then all of a sudden they'd go, I found something. You know, you've seen a dog kind of point or they, oh, this is it. And then they never picked up their nose again. They were on that trail until they found her at that tree in the woods. They didn't know her, they couldn't see her, but they knew that scent and they found her. And what I want us to just spend a little bit of time talking about tonight is how we serve a God that is so full of intention that it matters not where we have been or what we have done or what maybe has been done to us. He is like the hound of heaven, not a ravenous wolf that is chasing us down to punish us or to bring us under submission, but the hound that says, I know that scent. That's my daughter. I'm going to where she is. I'm not going to lose her. It's like Jesus when he um, had the lost sheep and went out and found the one. And that's the relationship that he has with us. We're so loved. We're so dear to him that he will not allow us to go to a place that we are unrescuable. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming for me, and he's coming for you. So um, I'm kind of a word person. I like to um, look words up in the dictionary. And just, I looked up intention, and we know what the word means, but there's a reason I'm talking about this, and you'll see in a minute. An intention is a determination to act a certain way. It's, it's a resolve. It's very deliberate. It's not on a whim, it's very on purpose and with a targeted uh, outcome. And before the creation of the world, before the creation of any matter, the Bible gives us three scriptures that tells us what God was planning, what he was doing, and what he was preparing for you and for me. 
I want to read those scriptures to you. The first one's in John chapter 17. This is Jesus himself talking. If your Bible has uh, words in red and words in black, the red is what he said, and you'll see. This is what Jesus himself said when he was here on earth. John 17, 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So what do we hear there? Before the creation of the world, God was love. He is love. He has always been love. Everything about him manifests love before the creation of the world. Okay, the next one is in Ephesians chapter 1. And it is verses 3 through 5. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us. He chose us before the creation of the world, (laughs) again, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Wow. In love, we just read about how he is love before the creation of the world. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It was his intention before he created a single thing that we would belong to him and be in relationship with him and experience his love and we would be adopted into his family. We are the recipients of his love. Okay, the last verse I'm going to read to you about before the creation of the world is in 1 Peter chapter 1, and it's verses 18 through 20. <laughs> okay, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. We could spend a whole night right there unpacking that verse. But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake, for my sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. So we see that before the beginning of the world, anything that we know, see, hear, feel, taste, or touch, that God declared his love, that he declared we would be the recipients of his love, and that there would be a cost to remain in relationship with us, and he 
was going to pay the cost, not us. That's all before he said any word that created the thing. And he's proved this over and over and over again. I think sometimes when we think about Christmas, we think, well, of course he had to send a Savior because the world was in a mess and we needed something. But Jesus' birth was not like a religious bailout. We hear a lot about bailouts these days. The government will offer a bailout because things are difficult and the economy's tight and people need help and they'll issue a bailout. And God was not giving us a religious bailout because we had messed up. And the cross of Christ is not an ambulance that was sent to the wreck of humanity. God planned on purpose with great intention, his provision for our relationship with him before the creation of the world. I shared um, three verses, right? This is just kind of a fun uh, thing to think about, but there were three verses about before the creation of the world. God is the three in one, correct? And the number three in Hebrew means wholeness or completeness. And uh, it is in the word, the number three is a significant number in, in like over 400 verses in the Bible. But it means completeness and wholeness. And I want to show you something about the word intention. When I looked it up in the dictionary, I saw there's also another definition for intention, and it's a medical term. And it means a process or manner of healing an incised wound. An incised wound. Well, I didn't know what that was. <laughs> you all may, but I didn't. So I looked that up. What's an incised wound? It's a wound produced by a sharp edge. So um, maybe a knife, maybe a piece of glass. It could be uh, something metal a box cutter, something that would create a, a cut or a gash in your skin. And so I thought, oh, wait a minute, this can't be. I text my son-in-law and I said, for real, is intention a medical term that you use when you're dictating or whatever? And he said, oh, yeah. Well, how do you use it? And he said, well, there's three ways that it can be used primary, secondary, or tertiary. And again, I don't know what tertiary is, but it sounds like a cool word. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Siri, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, guess what it means? Uh-huh. <laughs> Three. Three. But here again, we have this word that brings us back to completeness and wholeness. The three in one. Before the creation of the world, God loved us, made the plan for us, and said he would provide the cost to bring healing to us just like this very physical medical term does in the natural, in the real world. And isn't that just like God to, um, <laughs> to create this truth? And then actually our medical world operates in that 
truth without even attributing it to him or knowing it comes from him, but it's to bring completeness and wholeness to an injury, an incised wound in our body. I just think that's amazing and awesome how the Lord repeats himself and shows himself again and again. And I want to read to you Luke uh, 4.18. This again is Jesus speaking. I'm going to start at verse 16, I think. Luke 4.16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and rolling it, he found the place where it is written, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of the sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in his time, God fulfilled that third declaration of intent that he made by sending Jesus. Actually, Jesus was reading from Isaiah 61, and I want to go there and read you the actual words because I think you'll see these things begin to all tie together. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Sound familiar? We just read that. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. We'll come back to that. To proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness, to rele- nah, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So I'm going to go back to that phrase that says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If I was a medical doctor, which I'm definitely not, and someone came to me that had a large incised wound, my thoughts would go to, oh, how am I going to get that thing closed up? What are we going to do? And that is a picture of how we come to Jesus. With our wounds from life in this world, some of them may be self-imposed because of decisions that we've made. Some of them are inflicted upon us by other situations or circumstances that we're exposed to or involved in. But we all need a closing up, don't we, of those traumas, those hurts, those pains, those, those uh, sore places. Because I'm not going to talk about this very much because it's not pleasant, but what happens if those things aren't treated? 
in the natural what happens if you have an incised wound and you don't do anything about it. Well, nothing good. <laughs> no good things happen if there's a wound and it's left untreated and it's, it's dirty and it, all that. Enough. You get the picture. So we need something to close that up, to draw it shut. And we know that if in the medical world, that's often with sutures. It may be with butterfly tape. There's, there's several different ways they could do that, but the glue, they use glue. My son Grant, when he was little, fell against our windowsill and just split the bottom of his chin right open on that bone. And they didn't want to put him through the trauma of having to do stitches there. They just dropped a little bit of glue in there, squeezed it shut, and that was it. So there's many ways that that can happen, but I brought this picture just for you to see. I'm not, I don't know if you can tell all the way in the back what this is, but this is a, a heart made out of metal, and there's an obvious gash in it, an incised wound. And then there's wire hanging out of it that's been used to thread it back together and bring it back together. So it's not that that wound didn't take place or happen, but it's that the love of Jesus, the healing hands of Jesus, the seeking out and finding us of Jesus bring healing to those raw places in our life. And we can have peace even when things are not perfect because we are in relationship with the Lord. Um, in Genesis, we know that before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve were in close relationship with the Lord, and he came and walked with them in the garden every day. And then we know the story about how the serpent tempted Eve, and she gave in to that temptation when she had been warned, "This don't do this. She gave in to that and invited Adam to partake, and we know what happened. That's when sin entered the world. And the father came for his daily commune with them. And where were they? They were hiding. And we know that he asked one question. To my knowledge, this is the first question in the Bible. He just asked a simple question, where are you? And I'm so glad that he'll ask that question because it alerts us to the fact that, oh, I'm not right next to him at this moment, am I? I need to get back over here. I need to go to him. I need to be in his presence. And um, I want to submit to you that the Lord has very much been talking to me uh, over the last couple of months about rather than him being the seeker and him coming to find me wherever I might be at the base of that tree in the woods, (laughs) that maybe I need to be the question asker. And 
rather than waiting on him to find me. He knows where we are. He knows. But rather than waiting for him to come to me, maybe I need to be the question asker, and I need to say, God, where are you? That's not implying that I that he's not to be found, like we have to search him out. That's implying that my heart says, I want to be as intentional as you are about pursuing me in pursuing you. I want to live with that same intention in my heart so that when I walk into Walmart, I say, God, where are you in here? What are you doing here? When I go shopping for Christmas, God, where are you in this? Where, what are you doing here that I can step into and partner with you in? When I'm at home, God, where, where are you working in my kids' lives? What are you saying to my husband? Where can I partner with you to speak into those things? Where can I be your medical assistant, so to speak, and help draw the wound closed for my friend or my neighbor and bring healing and peace because of your presence and your touch? That's where I want to live, and I want to invite you to consider living in that place, too. When you rest and commune with the Father at His feet, you are in tune to His Spirit. And when He moves, you know. And when He speaks, you hear. And when He touches, you see. And I just know that we can live with the same intention and purpose that God has pursued us with in pursuing him. I do not know what this next season is bringing. I truly don't. But I know that the Lord has just impressed on me and has, and I am sharing this with you as my sisters, as his daughters, he wants you to know that safety is in that place where you are the one with the intention. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what that means. I don't know why that is so important. I just know that he says it is important that you are intentional about seeking me rather than waiting on me to find you. Search for me and seek me. And the word says, when you do that, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Turn your whole heart, your whole intention, your whole mind toward him first. And all these other things will be added unto you. Those are his promises. Those are his words. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 